podcast back and better than ever loaded cast for you today Vito, scotty jeff everybody's locked in ready to go uh Vito, you know what Vito? i think we just need to say it because we're looking at you in the video so if i was to pretend i'm not seeing it i'd be doing a disservice Vito is in the process of decanting an entire bottle of red wine in preparation for the Thursday night game this week against the Chiefs, uh, which, you know what, fair, because we're going to get into our picks for the week, but that 10.5 point spread seems a little low, even with how uh, not great the Chiefs' offenses looked. So I can't even argue with it. It's, it's a like, touch of class I mean? before they kick. I'm at a defeated kick... point, boys. I'm at a defeated point in the season. A touch of class before they kick your ass. Can, exactly. So before we get into anything else, because we got Scotty, we got Vito, we got me. Everyone's here. We did not hear from you, uh, Vito, after last weekend. Yes. Zach Wilson. Um, you also didn't get a chance to hear my terrible bad beat. So like I hated the Jets like you hated the Jets on Sunday because I had a bet and a parlay that was like a five leg parlay that was going to be like one hundred and fifty dollars. And all I needed was for the Jets and Broncos for no one to score any more points. And then with like 38 seconds left, the Jets completely fucked me. So mm-hmm, I tough. hate the I hate the Jets too. After I mean Sunday, I like the Jets moving forward. Yeah. But for the last Sunday, I hate the Jets. Um, but you hate them for a different reason. You're a Broncos fan. It's been rough. Not good things are going on. Give us the uh give us the reaction. From uh, from the the standpoint of a Broncos fan right now, because Scotty and I, we we kind of went through it a little bit. Worst franchises to be right now. Uh, I think the Broncos might be at the top of that list. Well, I'll defend myself there and say we're never as bad as we look because at least we have new ownership. There's a lot of money. I still like Sean Payton, but I will tell you, last weekend during the game, during the game, I googled like, do we actually finally have our first? again um sorry oh oh we're getting we're getting business there it is there we go and so uh so the point is is that we have a uh we have like a situation in denver where no one's happy everything sucks i'm more mad and pissed at our own team than any other team this is an internal problem right like you can't be i'm not mad at the jets i'm mad at the broncos and what's really difficult is knowing that like we're tied to russ Again, the defense isn't performing. Like everything's almost gotten worse. Last last year we were like close games that we could have won if we just would have scored, and it was so frustrating on the offensive side. But defense, at least you had that. Pat Sertan is still one of the best corners in the NFL. We suck. I just think that, like for me, again, I'm so mad at my own team. I looked up. Yeah, we finally have our own first round pick again after all this trades with with Seattle and to get. We honestly we had another number one. We traded for Sean Payton. So, like, finally we're back. So, if we lose and suck again, at least we get the reward like we didn't last year. So, yeah, I'm on tracking your first overall draft pick part of the season. So, life life's there. And so, yeah, I'm just drinking a lot of fucking wine. I'm betting on all the other games. Uh, thank God, I, like, I have a reason to root for the Eagles. And and you know what? Every year is not your year. 
and I'm full, I'm going full in on Penn state and college and, and the NFL this year, it's not, it's not going to be it for me. So, uh, you know, I got to be realistic. I, I guess my over eight and a half win bet that I put in before the season is probably a lost 200 bucks right there, but you Dude, know, that's, that's, I had them in the playoffs, so I'm with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's where we're at. It's definitely a, it's our problem. Not anyone else's. We suck. And, uh, looking at what we can do if we get rid of us, like, can we just pay a giant cap penalty one year and just move on? And like, can the owners just deal with that? Like, I don't know. So we're, well, so, that's, so that's the at. thing is that you would not like literally would not be able to feel like if, if an MLB team, right. Or an NBA team gets bought out by say the Walmart family, totally random, uh, you know, <laughs> very rich family that I'm bringing up there that has no ties to this situation. Um, it wouldn't really matter. Right. Because like you have the luxury tax. So there's it's the MLB, there's no tax in that league. Uh, unfortunately for Broncos fans, we do live in the NFL world where their mm-hmm. owners, Oh yeah. The Walmart family, um, they still play under a salary Whoa. cap. <laughs> I know. I just picked, I can't believe that that worked out the way that it did. I, huh. I had no idea. Um, <laughs> unfortunately the, the rust thing is crazy. And this is what I said to Scotty on, on, uh, on Tuesday's pod. Believe like what's wild is it's like 2026 is the first time they can really kind of move off the contract. So after this year, that's another three years that they're financially tied to Russ. In terms of the fact that they can't cut Russ, they literally cannot cut Russ over the next two years and still be able to field a full 53 man roster. So no, no matter what happens, Russ is going to be on the roster. However, my prediction, what I said on Tuesday show, was that there will be another quarterback and Russ will become the highest paid backup quarterback in the history of the NFL. That could happen. But here's what I'm thinking. You ready for this? I looked at this. I did a lot of research. So here's what I'm thinking. If we can pull this off, you get rid of almost everybody, right? You dump this team. Get rid of all the salary caps. I love this. You take the salary cap hit and you pay it in advance. So you basically say, fuck it. We're going to pay all this money in the next two years and just Week basically tank. Take all the cap hit you can. You still will have some later, right? You still have the 26 one. You can get rid of the penalties earlier and then just say we'll reboot in two years. Now, I don't think we're that bad. I think we're a few pieces. We're not like a whole team, but I'm also a delusional fan. So like I'm somewhere in between blow the whole thing up and we're a few pieces away from being in the playoffs. I don't know what the fuck's going on in this head of mine. It's it's like an emotion, right? It's emotions when you're talking about your own team. Yeah, what's now. going on? I'm just gonna drink my wine and hopefully, um, you know, if Taylor starts cheering for touchdowns against my team tonight, listen, like that's where we're at in fucking the NFL this year. This is an embarrassment to like me and every Bronco fan and everything's going on. So I'm just like fuck it all. Let's just see what happens. And I'm over well, um, getting mad about NFL games that like we. I know we're not gonna be the the Chiefs. That's not happening. So, so, so like, silver lining though, Vito, I mean, <clears throat> Vito, silver lining. You are a diehard Swifty fan. Yeah. So that's, if ta- that'll make my day. Honestly, I've been love seeing her up there. I know everyone hates it. I love Taylor Swift. She's one of my favorite top five artists. Easily have yeah. all her records. Love her. So good to see her. If you're a true Swifty, then literally nothing else in the entire galaxy matters other mm. than her happiness. So well, like the Broncos, how I feel like, about even extreme Swifties, right? You know, well, I mean, like I said, 
this is this is the world of Swifties. This is what we're in now, right? So if you're a diehard Swifty, all that matters is her happiness, even though you sabotage her happiness at every single waking minute because that means better music for you. What? Huh? Who said Dude, that? Everyone's talking um, about this Kelsey thing. Can I make one point? Yes, she please do. dated Joe Aldwin for six years. You don't think the next album is going to be absolute fire? It has nothing to do with Kelsey. It's going to be so nuts. It's her longest relationship by like four times. Not that I would know. Wow. Point is, it's going to be lit no matter what. Kelsey so would be on the next album after that. So don't even worry about it yet, guys. So, so she's like what? Like a woman in her mid-30s who's had like one moderately healthy relationship in her life? Better I than me. She- I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I was gonna say she sounds Welcome like to a the real... therapy couch. <laughs> I was gonna say she sounds like a real catch, and then Vito kind of trumped me there. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's the wine. We're we're about to play the Chiefs, man. I'm screwed. So I'm just I'm hey. being honest and embracing hey, look, it. The Chiefs, you know? the Chiefs haven't looked that good. Maybe the Broncos cover. That could be fun. I'm gonna tease them up and still hope they cover, Jeff. I don't even know if that's gonna happen. But to get to that point, you guys might wait. Go wait. Well, hold on. Get hold into on. it. What do you want to do here? Are you saying that you think the, the Chiefs are going to win by 18 points? You're going to tease the Chiefs up to 18 and a half? No, I'm going to tease, tease if I um, if I go ahead and tease it up, I'm going to tease it to Broncos plus 17 and a half because that's a good number. Like That's what I just said. You said KC, but yeah, yeah, 17 and a half. But mine is 17 and a half. No, Broncos plus 17 and a half. That's, a, that's the same thing. It's the same yes. thing. I'm but saying I'm betting the on the Broncos. Well, yes, I'm just saying you're, you're teasing the – Lines so that yes. way the Chiefs get up to team You're goosing it. Yeah. You're not teasing it. <laughs> right, but I'm saying I'm not like taking I'm, the Chiefs. I feel like crazy right now. <laughs> <laughs> what is so going do I. on? <laughs> but yeah, right, so this, I, this episode I, I is already drunk. I don't even know what's happening. <laughs> 17 and a half seems like a reasonable number to cover because even if you're blown out, you can get like you know some you can get some garbage time points and cover 17 and a fucking I half. love it. If we, we can do that, it's the base. Uh, let's be honest though based off of what we've seen from the the the, the chiefs 10 and a half seems like a reasonable line i that's this one of the things agree. i've heard all day jeff thank you well sit so, here let's dive into it then let's start in all right we got thursday night football tonight it's 4 45 p.m east coast time right now that we're mm-hmm. starting to do this so it's before thursday night football so we're going to dive into our picks for the week like we always do but let's start with this all right chiefs minus 10 and a half i do not think is a lock because if you look at the like the raw like the raw numbers and some of the advanced numbers, Russell Wilson's having a significantly better year than last year. The team, I would argue, is more dysfunctional right now than it was under Nathaniel Hackett. Mm-hmm. But if we're gonna pull positives, positivity corner, Russell Wilson looks a lot better. And even in games where like this team we would expect it based off the beginning of the season would have been better. They've looked okay. Offensively defensively. It's been terrible losing the defensive coordinator. I think is the biggest mistake Sean Payton has made, hmm. but it's clear that he's looking for like a long-term rebuild and obviously cashing those checks from, uh, from the Walmart family. But let's just go ahead and lock this in. Now we got Broncos chiefs chiefs, 10 and a half. Chiefs offense hasn't looked good. The Broncos defense is sneakily good. I don't think 10 and a half is a crazy number for the Broncos to cover. My only concern is that, is this like the week where it seems like all of a sudden the Chiefs unlock something offensively, but you're also going up against Pat Sertan. You're going up against Justin Simmons. We understand that the front seven is not great for Denver. The secondary is pretty good. And the biggest weakness of the Chiefs right now 
is in that secondary. So is this going to be one of those like, hey, the Chiefs are going to dominate on the ground and pump Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon. They're just going to give them the ball. And it's going to be one of those like 27 to 17 type games. Like, I don't think that's crazy. I think if you're going to take the Chiefs here, you're looking more on the side of like, can Russell Wilson push the ball down the field against a really good Chiefs defense who's been really impressive so far? We've seen some flashes from Jerry Judy, and he was obviously very vocal on social media and kind of made him look stupid the next week when they went up against the Jets. But Chiefs 10.5, I don't think it's crazy, but I'll say this. If you like the Broncos, teasing it up to 17.5, I don't think is that crazy. So on 10.5, I'm going to emotionally hedge and say Chiefs. (laughs) Um, That's just where I'm at in the season. And – I got one for you. I got one to put on the books here, Scotty. You ready for a player prop? I'm going to throw down for our uh, oh, yes. team here. Speaking it goes along language. what Jeff was saying. Isaiah Pacheco over 92.5 yards, both rushing and receiving. I think it's going to be a slam dunk tonight with checkdowns, and they're just going to hand him the ball when they're up. And I think the Chiefs, I think the Chiefs get us on the defensive side. I think they'll score enough. I think you might see your offense go, but I could see this being a, it's the Chiefs' offense against our defense. It could be a 40 point game very easily. So wait, you said Pacheco total yards? Yep. 92 and a half? Yep. That's a pretty low number. Yeah, I I think he'll get it. He gets a lot of catches, and I think the running is going to really, like, to your point, I think they're going to give him 20, 25 touches. Um, His carries, by the way, over under 16 and a half, another good bet. Um, There's some good ones out there for him. I think he's going to touch it a lot. All right. I, uh, I, I, I don't hate that. I feel like it's going to be one of those because Pacheco hasn't been used much as a receiving threat. So this is like, do you think Pacheco can get a hundred yards on the ground type of game? And mm-hmm. I feel like they can, but if I were to like, like looking at it in my mind's eye, I feel like this is the game where we come back and like get up on Friday morning, sits down and goes, you know, like the chiefs have kind of figured out their offense. Like these rookie, you know, Rashad Shahid and all these guys within the Chiefs offense, like, ah, oh, they've seemed to find a way to figure it out. I don't think that I don't I, I genuinely do think that they do, because other than Pats or Tan, that secondary feels like it's gettable. I the big thing for me in, in terms of the line in particular, I don't see how the Broncos are scoring too many points against this Chiefs defense. Cause the calling card of the Chiefs so far in 2023 has been defensively. And net with since Chris Jones has gotten back, they've been one of the top 10 defenses in the NFL, top five in a lot of categories. Their pass rush is really, really good. I'm going to go with the Chiefs here. I, I Part of me wants to take the Broncos only because I, I, I don't think that this Chiefs offense is the ones that we're used to. But overall, if I'm going to make a bet on this, I don't see this Broncos offense and like, albeit there have been moments where like Russ has looked better. And I know the raw numbers look better, but consistently this chief's defense so far through five weeks of the season has been one of the best defenses in the NFL, which is different for the Patrick Mahomes era. So I like the chief's defense to do a better job against Russell Wilson. And I think Mahomes figures it out with a couple touchdown passes to Sky Moore and Rashid Shahid and all these random ass guys. And plus you're going to get hopefully, you know, at least 80% of Kelsey with the banged up injury. That's enough to get people sweating. So yeah, I like the chiefs here. Plus uh, minus 10 and a half. All right. 
I'm with you, Jeff. I, I Look, Vegas has been baiting us long enough with these double-digit spreads for the Chiefs. The last one was this year. Was, uh, was They were 12.5 points against Chicago. They won by 31. They're 22-2 and two straight up as double-digit favorites. They're 10-13-1 against the spread as double-digit favorites. But the problem is that Denver defense. No offense, Vito. They're 32 in opponents' yards per rush and yards mm. per game. They're 32nd in opponent yards per uh, per pass uh, in the league. They're 29th in the league in opponents' passing yards per game total. They give up 78 completion percentage against uh, th- in the 2023 season. 187 yards per game on the ground. They, that defense has to load the box uh, the way that they're playing, and and that leaves them so vulnerable and forces their their secondary to play uh, single high and go man-to-man. And they're going to get beat deep, especially with a guy like Patrick Mahomes who can extend plays and throw the deep ball. That's how they figure out their offense tonight, Jeff. And then their defense does the job. I think this is 10.5 is is way too low. I think this is going to be an absolute statement game for Patrick Mahomes and the boys, and they're going to roll the Broncos tonight. Sorry, Vito. It's the truth. Also, right. Cortland Sutton fucking sucks. Can I just throw that out there? He had no effort running routes. If you have in your fantasy team, just just trust me. Watch him. Drop are him. You, are you taking the Broncos, or did you say Kansas City? I took KC. Yeah, you took KC, but you're taking but you're taking the you're gonna tease it. You're gonna tease it. Yeah, which I like. I like. All right, so we're all on Kansas City as of right now, um, and that's Thursday night. Uh, Sunday games. We're going to start off here. An interesting slate. This is, I I think this is probably the, I'll say this, maybe not the best slate, but at least the most interesting slate we've had so far. Because we got a few of these matchups where we have some teams that are kind of floating in the middle where it's like, if this can be a statement game, if this is a game where they can be like, you know, Falcons commanders, both of those teams are going to be in the mix for the seven seed in the NFC wild card right now. And according to Vegas, that used to be like home field advantage was a three-point swing. That has dropped to two on average for Vegas. So right now, Vegas likes the Commanders, Falcons, Falcons minus one and a half. So there's a bunch of really, really fun games we're going to get into. We'll start off here. Ravens minus four at the Titans. In London. Oh, that's right. This is a lot. Yeah. Nine, nine thirty year. A big one in London. So, um, if we're gonna take the Tennessee like up and down, like back and forth track, they're due for a win, right? Right. Every single game, it's been alternating. It's been win, loss, win, loss, win, loss through five games, and now they're four point underdogs against the Ravens team that, frankly, has not looked good offensively all season, and they're going up against the Titans team that I think is really, really good. And based off of what I'm seeing off our spreadsheet right now, it seems like you guys are both taking Baltimore. And Scotty, you seem to be taking this as one of your locks of the week. So you guys make the pitch to me because I'll tell you right now, when I saw this line, my instincts immediately went to Tennessee. So tell me why I should go for the Ravens instead of Tennessee in this game. I'll tell you why. Baltimore got to London on Tuesday early morning. Tennessee Titans left this afternoon and will land Friday morning at 12.30 a.m. local time. We'll stay awake, go through their walkthroughs. The the way that the the people of London are already talking about uh, Lamar Jackson, he was saying earlier this week, uh, yesterday I believe, that people are recognizing him. Why? Because they're already there. 
they're going to be fired up. They're going to be motivated. They have the rest. They are ready to play in London, not only from a physical standpoint, but they are ready to show out for the fans who already recognize them. Tennessee has no shot. They're getting in late. They're going through their walkthroughs. They're not going to have enough sleep. Same thing we talked about the Bills last week, right? Yeah. Is is that they were not prepared enough, and that makes a huge difference. The Ravens are going to absolutely steamroll. Four is uh, probably close to the number if this were a a game either in Baltimore or Tennessee. But right now on a neutral field – with with the circumstances of Baltimore getting there so much earlier and being able to to get their bodies right and prepare, I think they absolutely steamroll the Titans. I agree, man. I mean, we both just traveled internationally this last month. It's it's like, dude, that hits your body. It doesn't hit you the next day. It hits you the day after. So it's not going to hit them Saturday, right? They're going to walk through shit Friday. They'll be fine. They sleep Saturday. They'll be okay. They'll sleep again, and Sunday it's going to hit them fucking hard. And I think it's going to be a problem. That's why I'm going Ravens. I also think that. When you're doing, when you're tired and you're a little lackadaisical, it's easier. Like, um, how do I put this? It's easier, I think, to execute a running offense in that regard than a passing offense in some ways. Both these teams are run heavy, so I think it does. Like, the Titans aren't going to be as bad. But as far as mistakes go, Tannehill's made his fair share this season. I'm going Ravens. So based off of what we talked about with Buffalo last week and they're they're getting to London earlier than or later than we probably would have hoped. I should take Tennessee. But you know what? Mike oh. Vrabel supersedes a, a, a time lag, all right? Jet lag doesn't affect Mike Vrabel. Doesn't affect this team. This team is weird. Okay? Like and until I see otherwise, Baltimore's offense has been terrible. And ultimately, they could get there on Tuesday and be great by Wednesday. If they show the same offensive performance that they've shown through the first five weeks of the NFL season, this Tennessee defense is better than that. All right. The offense has kind of been shit, but you know what? They found ways to get the ball down the field. All all it takes for this Tennessee offense to work is a couple of deep shots. And it seemed like last week they finally found a way to get DeAndre Hopkins involved on a consistent basis. I'm trusting this. You're we we say all the time, Scotty, right? Two to three points. If you're in that zone, take the Titans. We're getting an extra point here. We're saying Titans plus four. Give me Tennessee. Give me the Titans. All right. What, because I, I agree with you, but that uh, that's like I said, if it were at one of their home stadiums, this is on a neutral site. I I'm fine with the neutral site because this, like, you know what the Tennessee Titans are? The Tennessee Titans are like cockroaches. All right. Nothing affects them. They just, they just that's do a good defense. No, that's the thing. They just do what they do. Even if they play good defenses, they just do what they do. And sometimes that results in a win. And sometimes it results in a loss. It's probably going to make them about a nine and eight or eight and nine team at the end of the year. But at the end of the day, like that's what the Titans are. The Titans are just fucking cockroaches. You can't kill them. They just find a way to do it. They, they persevere through weird stuff. I'm taking it. I, I just, and look, if they lose this week, even if it's by if it's by two, then I'm happy because it means like we got the spread. But ultimately, this Titans team just finds a way to just be there, right? And I think if there's a team where jet lag is not going to affect them the same way the other ones does, it's a team full of fucking cockroaches. And I'm saying that as a compliment because you can't fucking kill them. And that's what this Tennessee team is. No matter how hard you try, you're not going to be able to kill the Tennessee Titans. So I'm taking Tennessee. You guys are on Baltimore. And we're going to move on here. It's a lock for me. Yeah. 
And Scotty's got his first lock of the day on Baltimore. I, I Look, the logic based off of what we saw out of Buffalo last week makes plenty of sense. But I don't know, man. This Tennessee team, Mike Vrabel, he's, he's, he's built different, as the kids say. Uh, all right, fun game here. One that could very much have playoff implications in terms of that wild card seeding. Commanders at Falcons. The Falcons are a two-and-a-half-point favorite, which means that Vegas sees the Falcons as a half-point underdog. Uh, Washington's had the, the the extended by. To me, I, I, I like what I saw to Desmond Ritter. We've never, first of all, he's never had 300 yards in passing game. He had that last week what are the odds he's going to that two weeks in a row against a better defense than he faced against last week pretty low i'm leaning commanders here but i'm curious to hear what y'all's thoughts are i got commies all the way dude these commies, commies. have had a week off um i'm re-watching stranger things and i love how they just have like commies in it and like talking and stuff in season three or four I, it's so fun anyway uh I'm going commies and I don't, I think the Falcons are good. They have good skill players. It's going okay. Their defense is way better than people are still getting credit for it. seems like, but um, I just like the commies. I think I, I like the offense. I think they have more weapons uh, at like receiver. They're getting the ball out to their weapons faster and better. And um, it should be an, actually a really fun game to your point. Like two years ago, I feel like both these teams were at like the bottom and it seems like both of them are on the rise, and I, I really like that. I like both their coaches, so we'll see what happens. But I'm, I'm going to go commies. Yeah, I think uh, Washington again. I, I, I that was a blip on the radar um, last week against the Bears for that defense, and I think at the end of the year, when you look back at it, it's going to be one of those games, like I said, where it was just like they lost for no reason. They do this every year. I think they're a better team right now than Atlanta. Um, they're a little more consistent on, on both sides of the ball, save for that game against the Bears. Um, and I think the defense regroups and comes back, I believe, in the offense um, for the for the commanders as well. But I more so believe in Washington's defense more than I believe in Atlanta's offense, as good as they looked last week. So I think this is a get-right game for that Washington defense. Eric Bieniemy is going to do his thing. The commanders are 14-12-1 against the spread as road underdogs since 2019. In that stretch, the Falcons are seven and thirteen against the spread as home favorites. So give me the commanders. I'm going with the commies too. All right. I'm all in on the commies. I, I honestly I I completely agree with what you said, Scotty. Like this line is a reaction off of not only what we saw out of the commanders last week, but what we saw out of the Falcons. And until I see back to back games where as much as I love Desmond Ritter and I've been trying to be a supporter of his. Until I see back-to-back games where Desmond Ritter is like the guy where he looks like he can push the ball downfield and not just in the fourth quarter, I'm I'm hesitant to pick the Falcons against teams that I think are playoff quality teams. And and based off of what we saw off the commanders through the first four weeks, obviously last week they looked terrible, but through the first four weeks, I think they're much more the team we saw through weeks one through four than the team that we saw in week five. You're going to also give Eric Bieniemy an extra few days to game plan here. I think the commies come out and look really, really good. I think they win this game comfortably. Uh, the Falcons have also been one of those teams that ha- has been hanging around, right? Historically, when you see these teams that you're like, oh, we're five weeks in and you got a winning record, you're three and two, you're two and three, you're in the mix. There's a couple of games that just knock you out of that spot. And I still think that the command that the Falcons are are 
a fringe playoff team. I do think that whether it's t- Tampa Bay or New Orleans, I do think those teams are going to kind of come back to earth a little bit. I think the winner of that division, just like we said going into the season, is going to be an eight and nine, nine and eight team, which means that the Falcons are going to be in that mix. However, the Commanders are a better football team than that. And their offensive lines play better. The defensive line is significantly better. They're better on both sides of it. Uh, and coming off of an absolute ass whooping, Ron Rivera's, you know, he's not a, like a Super Bowl caliber coach, but he's a coach that gets his team ready to play in big games. So I'm taking the commies. I think that makes all the sense in the world. He, he got the, uh, with the Panthers, but I'm with you. I don't think he's uh no, but he got smoked yeah. in that Super Bowl. So yeah, it's like, he yeah, he did. That's what I'm saying, like, yeah, I did. I just want to get the Broncos winning back on this podcast. There we talking go. About uh-huh. it for a second, full right. circle. If I if I said, <laughs> which I've never said, but if I said Nick Sirianni's a Super Bowl cult coach, he got his team to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, just he like Zach happen. Zach, uh, what's his name? The the Broncos uh, or the uh, the, the Browns coach? Bengals. Bengals. Zach. Right state. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> Zach what? Taylor. Zach Taylor. 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 If Zach, if I, no one's ever called Zach Taylor a Super Bowl coach, but he's got his team there. Kyle Shanahan's a Super Bowl coach. He, but no, he's never won a Super Bowl. Well, by your logic. No, I'm saying, I'm, no, by my logic, I'm saying getting there and not winning does not Mm -hmm. make you a Super Bowl coach. So, Kyle Sorry, I was researching. Only (laughs) one of the three of us has a uh, Super Bowl coach, and that is Vito. So, Mm -hmm. that'll work out well. <laughs> All right, next game: Viking Vikings at Bears. The Vikings are a two and a half point favorite on the road. Is this where? And again, I'm I'm, I'm seeing y'all's picks ahead of time, so I'm trying not to be too biased. But is this where the Bears, like, hey, you know what? Big win against Washington looks better in the game before that. Is this where it falls off the cliff? Are the Bears going to come back down to reality, or can they build something off of this with Justin Fields? I think it's a good opportunity this week against a team with a, a really like really poor defense in, in Minnesota. Um, and on top of that, they lose their their best offensive weapon uh, in Justin Jefferson, who hit the IR. Um, so it's going to take a lot, I think, for uh, for the Vikings to figure it out. Uh, but at the end of the day, this pick for me was basically just which team is actually better. Um, I, I don't think that the Bears are that good. Again, I think for the same reasons I thought it was a blip on the radar for Washington, so too I think was it a blip on the radar for for Chicago. Um, there's no, uh, there's no way that uh, that DJ Moore gets another 200 plus yards. Um, there's no way that 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 happens right and, and so i think the key is to to get back into um figuring out how you stop justin fields on the ground force him to throw the ball because that's kind of what you want and look if he beats you that way then here we go now we've got two games of data in a row and scott's wrong that's not the first time that it would have happened um so but i don't think that 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 is the case i think the vikings at the end of the day are a better team kirk cousins has that ability to drive down the field um especially in late game situations and he'll figure out what to do without Justin Jefferson. I mean, TJ Hawkinson has been underused this year and and I think he'll be a, a big beneficiary of, of uh, the absence of Justin Jefferson. So uh, at the end of, the, of it with the two in the hook, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the Vikings to score a bit more than, uh, than the bears. will. I just believe in that, 
uh, in Kirk Cousins more than I believe in that entire offense for the Bears. I agreed. Uh, two and a half is what's tough, um, right? Like I think the Vikings went by a field goal, but you know what? I I switched. I'm going. I'm going with the Bears because without JJ, he was a lot of that offense, even in wins and lo- in losses this year. He's just been so much of that offense. I Madison has not really come on like I thought he would have. The blocking has been a little bit worse. I'm going to go with the Bears. Uh, they they you know Justin Fields has played more impressively in the last couple of weeks, and I think he continues it, and I think. The uh, let's say exposure of what the Vikings really are continues this year. I'm with you 100%, Vito. I'm absolutely taking the Bears in this game. And the biggest part of it is that we're, we are now going off of a declining, like this is what Minnesota is, all right? A mediocre defense with a declining Kirk Cousins, a below average offensive line, a bottom of the league running back, and a team where whose best wide receiver is either KJ Osborne or rookie Jordan Addison, who has objectively been disappointing to this point, versus a team in Justin with Chicago and Justin Fields, where they've seemed to at least figured out a blueprint blueprint that is Cole Commit and DJ Moore and Justin Fields' legs, and that is it. That is what your offense is. Get the ball out quick, get the ball in those hands, take a couple shots here and there and let Justin Fields and his crazy athleticism guide the way. I think the defenses here are a push, and as weird as it might be to say, I would rather bet on Justin Fields than Kirk Cousins right now, especially without Justin Jefferson. I think this Vikings offense with no Justin Jefferson is one of, if not the worst offenses in the league. To me, they're on par with, like, the New York Giants. And, like, yeah, Kirk has more experience than Daniel Jones, whatever. But Kirk also has played his worst year of football in the last, what, six, seven years since he was in Washington. So I I can't look at this game and be like, yeah, I'm going to take – I'm going to believe in Kirk Cousins. I can look at Justin Fields and say, you know what, I can actually believe in this guy because amongst all odds when multiple times it seems like, hey – his career's in jeopardy. Even if Chicago ends up with the first overall pick, courtesy of the Panthers or courtesy of themselves, Justin Fields is still going to have an opportunity to be a starting quarterback somewhere, and he's determined to make sure he puts the best film on paper So, uh, or on tape. So I'm taking Chicago. I think Chicago wins this game outright. Uh, and, and honestly, it's as much because I think the Vikings are trash. I think they're going to end up being one of those teams that's competing for the number one overall pick. Um, because look at that. I mean, if you're if, think about it this way, if you're in Minnesota, right? What do we talk about all the time? If you're a team with a young quarterback or you're drafting a quarterback, right? You want to draft receiver help. The Bengals draft Jameer Chase, Jamar Chase, right after they draft, uh, you know, Joe, uh, Joe Burrow. The Eagles go out and make the trade for AJ Brown to help make AJ Brown's life better. You already have Justin Jefferson. And if you can go out and get Caleb Williams or Drake May and pair that young stud of a rookie quarterback with a guy like Justin Jefferson, who you already have under contract, that makes a whole lot of sense. I think Minnesota ends up being, and I was I had this epiphany earlier this week. I think Minnesota is going to end up being one of the worst five teams in the NFL this year. And the fact, club? yeah, like that's the true. Losing bottom five club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, yeah. my I believe you. I'm with you, Jeff. So 
I think Chicago finds a way to do this because Justin Fields has a whole lot more to play for than uh, that rest of that Minnesota team. So I'm taking Chicago. All right, up next, a game I am very excited about because this I, I'm calling it now. This is going to be one of the weirdest games. There's going to be some weird-ass fucking shit that happens in this game between two teams that should be playoff teams. We have the Seattle Seahawks visiting the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Bengals are two-and-a-half-point favorites. The Bengals look to be more right. Joe Burrow looked to be more right in this game. One more game before he gets a chance to rest that leg. But again, if we're seeing the Joe Burrow that we saw against Arizona, then we're going to see a much different version of that. However, they're going up against what I think is one of the best secondaries in football for the Seattle Seahawks. I think this game's going to be one in the trenches back and forth. I'm still not completely sold one way or the other. Um, but I'll say this. I think Cincinnati needs this game more than Seattle does. But I also think Seattle has a outside chance of being one of the top you know four seeds five seeds i guess technically because they could be the top wild wild card uh in the nfc so i think this game is gonna be a lot of fun i'm super excited to watch this on sunday where are we leaning right now cincinnati minus two and a half against the seattle seahawks i'm going with the seahawks man i think that their style of play and the defensive run the ball you know play action it draws itself well to teams that are playing badly right it's like if you make mistakes, you're going to lose against that kind of style of play. And so I think they play it well. I think they capitalize on, on some um, big plays against the Bengals defense. And, and I think they do get one or two uh, defensive plays there, you know, a big sack early in a drive. Like that, that's all they need, man. That's all they need. And I don't think Burrow has his magic back yet. So I'm going to go ahead and take Seattle and uh, I'm sorry, Scotty, but I, I think that's the team, man. Let me, no, let me ask this. Bad... Sorry, real quick, Scotty, before you hop in. Can you ever remember a Seahawks and Bengals game in your life? Like, yeah, when they you, were in the AFC. Can you? No, I can honestly you, can't. That's a wild. Can you wow. visualize a Seahawks Bengals game ever in your life? Because I just like I saw that earlier, and I was like, Have these teams? Are, I'm sure, obviously they have. I'm just, but like in my brain, I was like, I don't think these teams have ever played so, before. <laughs> Good question. Last time Seattle beat the Bengals 21 to 20 in 2019, but there have only been 21 games in this entire series. The it's Bengals like- lead 11 to 10 wins. That's very low for two NFL teams that aren't like the Texans or the Jaguars. Well, like, and it makes that- sense too, right? Because Seattle joined in the eighties. So, I mean, we're going back like 35 ish, 40 years that they would only play once every couple of years. But that is a very – that I'm sorry, Scotty. Oh, do we want to throw a pity party for the 30-year-olds on the pod? No, um, I mean, they, were, they were like in the late 70s, to your point. So they were around the – Late they had 70s, okay. Team. Yeah, true. but still, it's, yeah, that's kind of wild. That's, it, that is a super wild thing to me. Like, that's what I said. I was like, I'm just trying to visualize – like I jerseys on the field. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I can't, I'm trying to say, I'm like, I don't, I feel like this seems to be Anyway, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to roll with the bangles here. I don't feel great about it. Uh, ultimately, I think this game comes down to a field goal, right? So what the logical consensus would be like, all right, well, if you think it's going to be a three point game and you're getting two and a half for the Seahawks, take the Seahawks. But I feel like what happened in Arizona kind of unlocked some things for this Bengals team. And they're coming home. We're seeing a much more mobile and overall better version of Joe Burrow. 
the offensive line hasn't quite played up to the exact level that we thought with this that this Bengals team would, but the Seahawks have kind of been up and down with their pass rush. So I feel like Cincinnati has a good chance to neutralize that. Um, I'm completely with you. I do think that Seattle's going to try to run the football, um, even with that really, really good round. But I, I like Cincinnati here. I think Cincinnati as a whole is the better team. And I feel like after the way that they started, we're going to get onto one of those Cincinnati Bengals kinds of runs. And I still think Seattle is the favorite to be the five seed. I think they're going to end up better. I mean, I mean, again, it's Philly and, and Dallas competing for it, but I think my Seattle is going to be right there. So I'm going to take Cincinnati minus the two and a half at home. Um, But I think this is going to be a really good game. I think it comes down to a last second field goal. So I'm going to take the Bengals. Yeah, man, I went back and forth on this one. There's about five crosses. If if you're keeping track on the tracker, I just uh, uh, deleted, <laughs> entered and deleted about six times uh, a, a pick. So everything is telling me to go Seahawks, right? They're getting healthier. They had a week to get their O-line back and the injuries on the defense. By the way, Jamal Adams is coming back. That's going to help with some of the run game. Joe Mixon just had his best week of, of the season last year. Jamal Adams will help neutralize that a little bit. Um, there's The Seahawks are one of two teams in the NFL with a top six offense and defense in EPA per play. Uh, the other one is the Chiefs. And, and the Seahawks will be able to run the ball, I think, in this one, despite how good the Bengals' uh, offense is going to be. They're going to have to run the ball because of the elements that's going to be windy and rainy on Saturday. But I think you're right, Jeff. I think something clicked with Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that they will be able to overcome the elements. I've also been burned by the Seahawks three times betting this year. So screw them and screw their stupid town and their city. I'm going with the Bengals. This is a game that's like quintessential. I'm so excited for but I want no part in making a pick. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> like, so this is the thing, like, let's like, let's let people behind the curtain for a second. When you have to go through every single game and a lot of football fans do this, where they look at their schedule and this happens in college football all the time. And you're like, Ooh, like I can't wait for Alabama and A&M, you know, or like, Ooh, I can't wait for Seattle and Cincinnati. It's going to be a fun game. You're never in a position where you have to pick. <laughs> and we've, voluntarily put ourselves in a position where we do have to do the picking. And now we're like, all right, fuck, I have to make this pick. But when you look at the slate, you're just like licking your chops of just like, Oh, I can't wait to do this. Now, objectively, like I said on, on Tuesday, we've done pretty good so far as a pod, every single one of us is above 500. Uh, We're we're all killing it, especially with our locks. But yeah, I think this is going to be a really, really fun game. Uh, all right, up next, we have the Panthers at the Dolphins. Dolphins minus 13 and a half. <laughs> uh, no Devin A. Chain, who has been one of the, if not the, like, standout running back so far here in 2023. Oh, Vito knows. <laughs> uh, all right, I wasn't going to say it. Vito, I didn't say it. All right, that was on. That's Scotty. Scotty said. Well, no, he's saying it though because I have him and Mostert in my fantasy. The commission said that. that. Yeah, not not about him. I'm putting up 70 points. Thanks for bringing that up, Jeff. But uh, you know, no, you said that. (laughs) Is that the door? Oh my god, guys, something's here. I gotta go. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, But 
the Dolphins are still fucking really, really good. Uh, you know what's interesting so far through for through five games? One of the – I don't want to say disappointing. I'm going to say one of those people who has uh, more le- – has left more meat on the bone than we've been expecting to this point on the season is Jalen Waddle. And I feel like this is kind of a prime time for a Jalen Waddle team, right? We look back on what the – Detroit Lions just did to this Carolina Panthers team recently. And uh, they should have won by 21 and a half. It was in for a garbage time touchdown. But that, by the way, Vito, another bad beat. Adam Thielen scoring a nonsense touchdown also right. cost me $100. So, oh. uh, so yeah, just I had two bad beats that basically screwed me out of like almost $300 on like $10 worth of bets because I just happened to nail all my picks. Uh, but so – Let's just say I'm not super happy with the Carolina Panthers right now. Um, but that was a, a, a Detroit Lions team that did not have a Monroe St. Brown and was still able, able to uh, throw the ball. That Detroit team was also able to run the ball very confidently. And even without Devin A-Chain, you still have Raheem Mostert. You still have Jeff Wilson Jr. You still have a really, really violent, fast, speedy team in, on that offense. To me, this is Miami all the way, and I, it's a massive number, and it's a very dangerous thing to pick a big number as one of your locks of the week. But I'm taking them right here. The Miami Dolphins minus 13.5 is one of my locks of the week because, to me, this Panthers team, there have been times where the defense has looked very frisky. There's been times where they've looked dangerous and fun and exciting. That offense is dog shit. And Miami's defense hasn't looked great, and there's going to be times – in a couple of weeks when they have to go up against Philadelphia, when it's going to be basically which defense plays well enough to keep their offense, you know, like to, to basically give their offense the win because both offenses are going to be the carrying torch of that game. We'll see that not this week, the next week, but Miami's defense hasn't been truly tested yet. The Panthers offense is probably the worst in the NFL. I mean, it's them and, and the giants right now. So I think no matter what happens, the Dolphins are a lock for 24 to 28 points. And I don't see how this Panthers offense scores more than like 14. So I think better off, I'm going to bet on the high end of the Miami Dolphins offense, even without Devin A-Chain. I like Miami. That's my first lock of the week, minus 13 and a half. Give me the Dolphins. I'm taking the Finns as well, and I'm going to make it a lock as well. That's my second lock of the week right there. Um Copycat. 100%. I I agree. We're talking about probably one of the most impressive teams versus one of the most unimpressive teams. And yeah, I think it's going to continue. I think when you get to this part of the year where like, all right, everyone's talked about that heat in Miami and on the one sideline, you're in the sun. It's still hot there. It's not going to feel good. So uh, a little different than up here up north. So I'm going with the fins, man. I like it. Yeah, I, what do you say? It's it's one of the worst teams in the in the NFL right now, and they're and they're going to face a team uh, with two attack Tungavailo, who ranks third in completion. Um, all we saw last week was was uh, Tyree Kill getting behind uh, a slow defense, uh, slow New York Giants defense. Uh, Jalen Waddle getting in the end zone. The running game was hot. I think that continues. Um, I think the Panthers have a little more fight. I don't know that uh, that they're they're going to necessarily get as blown out as you guys think uh, to the point of locking it. But um, at thirteen and a half, but uh, I'm with you. I think the the Dolphins roll in this one. I think it's it's 
not really a close game uh, at the end of the day, but they're they're for sure going to cover the 13 and a half. Well, you know, last week was kind of a disappointing, like they went up against a Giants team that they were clearly better than, and they didn't play that well. Like Tua had two interceptions. Like Tua right now is still the favorite for MVP, which is crazy to think oh, about. Oh, no, but hold like, on. Come my way. I, I'm, I'm being serious. Like the betting favorite right now yeah. is Tua Tungabailoa. But Tua hasn't played well the last two weeks. To me, like, this is the opportunity. Like, if Miami is going to be as good as that we all think they are, you take a bad team who, objectively, I just got buried on an obnoxious backdoor cover. So maybe I maybe this is more like <laughs> me being angry at Miami and just being like, fuck their shit up, Miami. But ultimately, like, I got screwed by this team on a backdoor cover. Like, I know Carolina can do it. But to me, this is a this is an opportunity for the Dolphins to be like, our defense is legit, and like we're going to get Jalen Ramsey back, and that's going to help. But we're good enough to do it without them because they need a good defense. Because when they get into the playoffs and they're going up against Buffalo and they're going up against Kansas City and they're going up against Cincinnati or Baltimore, like or whatever team they end up playing in the AFC playoffs, they're going to need better play out of their defense. And if you don't have good play against the Carolina Panthers, then that's going to become like, and I'm saying this now, so we can talk about it on Monday. If Miami's defense doesn't look really, really good against the Panthers, then we have to throw up a huge question mark over that side of the ball for them. Because so far their defense has been uninspiring at best. And they like, this is an opportunity for them to be like, Hey, not only are we this dynamic offense that everyone's talking about that put up 70 points on the Broncos, but how good is that defense? We don't know. This is a great opportunity. Bury a terrible team, put up your usual 30 plus points and cover the 13 and a half. And I think they're going to do that this week. Agreed. But the the Panthers can get physical. And one of the more important elements of being playing later in the season is health. So if you go up a bunch, you're going to have to, to start thinking about benching your starters. Uh, Cause look what happened last year when they didn't have their starting quarterback playing in the, in the playoff game, they got run. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Right. But like Detroit played Carolina last week. They bullied them all day and they still fight. Now, granted, that line was at 21 and a half. So that's a whole extra touchdown. And that's kind of where I'm coming at. This is like, I think the Miami offense is better right now without Devin A. Chain than the Detroit offense was without Amon Ross St. Brown. Right. The the, the Detroit offense without Amon Ross St. Brown is not the same offense. And yet they still were able to almost cover 21 and a half points. So I'm like, this Miami offense should 100% bury them to the ground. So that's that's at least for me why I feel confident with a lock. All right, uh, AFC South matchup here. Colts-Jags. Jags coming off of their London trip, minus four and a half. The Colts have placed quarterback Anthony Richardson on IR. They are a four-point underdog in this game. Uh we saw Gardner Minshew not just cover in the one game that he started in this week, but win big time against the Houston Texans, who have become a very frisky team. Was that a flash in the pan, or is that just like, hey, Shane Steichen knows how to build an offense around a guy like Gardner Minshew, a guy who was the backup in Philadelphia last year. He had to make multiple game plans for Gardner Minshew when Jalen Hurts was out at the end of the season last year. He's got a really good offensive line. He's got a really solid running group with the addition of uh, Jonathan Taylor coming back off the pup list and with his new contract. How are we feeling right now about the Colts and the Jags? To me, like I'm excited about the Jags. I'm glad that they found their win, but this feels like 
a kind of letdown game for Jacksonville. And this is one of those where it's like my gut might tell me to take Indy, but if the Jacksonville comes out and wins definitively, that to me tells me, all right, Jacksonville's legit. Like that little run in New England in, in England was not just like a flash in the pan. This is telling me that the Jags are really, really good. So convince me to, to go against my gut because I understand the implications of my gut. But I guess what it comes down to is like, is Jacksonville the team we saw in London or is Jacksonville the team we saw through the first three weeks of the season? So first off, I, I need to tell you guys this. You know, uh, one of my best friends in the world, probably my best friend, Nick Calcaterra, is diehard Jaguars fan. And sure he is. said if they win twice in London, he's going to like act British. He has been texting like "Good day, mates" and all this shit about his chops and all. Really, it's fucking wild. I, res- I respect like, that so right. Hard. He's like, I swear to God, if we actually do this, I'll just pretend I'm I'm a goddamn Englishman. And I was like, I love everything about this. The texts bloody have been hilarious. No, seriously though, and he's like, oh bloody hell! And you're like, dude, shut the fuck up. I love it though. So, we love so, Nick. Oh my god. So the thing is about this though is that to your point, like. Minshew played for the Jags, kind of a revenge game there, right? I mean, he got to have his revenge when he was in Philly. I think they played the Jags, so he already had that. But still, uh, definitely some sort there. But I think the Jaguars did figure something out. Now, it is hard traveling back after being there for a while, right? You do have the three-hour adjustment, but still, they came back early in the week, like we talk about. I'm going to go with the Jaguars because I do think that the offense has figured out enough. I think the defense and the pressure they got, even on the Bills and that offensive line, which is pretty solid, like they did a good job. So I think all around that team performed very well over there. I expect them to continue it. It's inner division, so I don't like the four points, to your point, right? I don't like that. But with the Colts, Jonathan Taylor getting back, he didn't give any carries. I don't know when they're going to start giving him more. If it's this week, if they're going to give him 10, then 15, whatever it is. Either way, uh, I'm going to go with the Jaguars just at home. Well, in their American home until they move to London, and I think they're going to pull it off. That all sounds great, but jet lag is a real thing, and uh, I do believe that it will be affected in the Gardner-Minshew revenge game. Look, Indianapolis's offense with Jonathan Taylor in the mix looked great. Zach Moss is proving to himself. All he did last week was go, oh, I can get $26 million just by being effective? Uh, Hold my beer. Watch me run for 160, bud. And there he goes. This offense needs Zach Moss in it, uh, I think, as they as they start to phase uh, Jonathan Taylor in. I think Gardner Minshew is a, a great guy, especially if you want to keep the ball uh, out of the hands of of that offense uh, with with uh, Trevor Lawrence and the boys. I think he's going to hold possession. I think the Colts are are actually a really good defense too. What Jacksonville has been really good at is is. When they're effective in winning, they do it through the run game, right? And the and the Colts uh, have, have been a really good, really surprising run defense uh, through the first five weeks of the season. I think that continues against Jacksonville. The four in a in a divisional game is is super enticing for me. I'm going to take it. The Colts are ten and five against the spread as dog as road dogs since 2021. Give me the Colts and Gardner Minshew and that beautiful, beautiful mustache. So this is the first uh, repeat game we've had in 2023. Colts and the Jags played week one. Colts won 31 to 21. Sorry, the Jags won 31 to 21. Um, And that game was a lot closer than people thought. This game is in Jacksonville. For whatever reason, Jacksonville's had a struggle to, to, to 
play well against division rivals at home. They got bodied by Houston at home. Uh, they beat Indy in Indy in week one. My concern here is like I can make an argument for both sides, like a very clear argument, which is why this number at minus four is so fucking annoying because that's such a brutal number yeah. number to try to pick. I'm leaning towards Jacksonville because I think Jacksonville at the end of the day is just the far more talented team. Like I, I think Jacksonville is just top to bottom is the better team in the NFL right now. And a huge reason is that backup quarterbacks like Gardner Minshew is awesome. I love Gardner Minshew. I think everyone who follows football loves Gardner Minshew, the person. Gardner Minshew, the quarterback, when you have him start back-to-back games, if you remember on Christmas Eve, Gardner Minshew started against the Cowboys last year, right? He played his ass off, and the Eagles still found a way to lose. The following week, he had to go up and play against New Orleans, and they lost that game too. So he played his ass off in week one, despite the fact that that was a loss. The second time he had to play wasn't so great, right? So this is now the second time he had to fill in, start a game earlier this year. He had to go in and finish off the game last week. I do like this Colts team a lot, but like if this Jags team is is for real, which Doug Peterson and that team and organization, like they believe it. Everyone thinks this team is for real. They're fully bought into this team being a legitimate contender. This is a game they have to win, and they have to win concisively, especially after what happened last week. So I'm going to take Jacksonville. I flirted with the idea of taking Jacksonville as a as a uh, full blown lock this week. But it's impossible to take a lock against freaking Gardner Minshew. Like, I love that guy. Dude's an absolute wild card. Like, he's the epitome of, like, the he's the NFL equiv- equivalent of Charlie Day and Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the wild card bitches meet. Like, that is Gardner Minshew to a T. Like, he could come out and throw for, like, 350 yards in this game, and Michael Pittman could have, like, 160 yards and two touchdowns. And I'd be like, yep, that makes sense, because that's Gardner Minshew. Jones getting a tutty. Yeah, yeah exactly, <laughs> right? And Jonathan Taylor runs for 120 yards and a touchdown. Like, that could totally happen. But the Jags showed me something against Buffalo. And I know Buffalo had the injuries, right? But, like, the Colts defense compared to, like, the banged-up Buffalo defense is about the same. And offensively, I think that Bill's offense is way better than what we're going to see out of Gardner Minshew and the Indianapolis Colts this week. So I'm going to take the Jags. I think that defense is legit. Give me the Jags minus four at home. All right. I'm very excited to talk about this next game. I'm very excited because – Statistically, statistically, the two best offense and defense in the NFL are getting matched up this week. And who would have thought that it was the San Francisco 49ers and the Cleveland Browns? I think this game's going to be awesome. We have a San Francisco 49ers fan in Scotty, and we have a Cleveland resident currently in Cleveland, Ohio, and our boy Vito. So you two, you two start this off, and then I'm going to sit back and watch because I'm excited. I have so many thoughts, and I don't know where I'm going yet. I love this game. I think it's going to be so fun. You guys let me know. You guys battle it out. The pride of Cleveland, Ohio, Brian Vito against uh, kind of – Oh, you know, he was born in Orange County, but he's like, he's there now, Scotty. Don't give me that face. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> the uh, the Niners offense is electric, will flow through even if uh like a like a current, even uh, against a really tough defense. The concerning part uh for us is nothing. The concerning part for the Browns is that <laughs> who the hell is playing quarterback? 
Yep. Is it DTR? <laughs> Fair. Is it uh, Deshaun Watson? Even if it is Deshaun Watson, what version of Deshaun Watson are we going to get? And Joku's back. Great. By the way, great story. Good for him coming back. Did you see the burns that he got on his face? Lit up uh, uh, his his uh, fire pit outside and something happened where he just got absolutely obliterated by the flames. But now he's back. Good for yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, it was oh, it was nasty, good. Yeah, check it out on uh on Instagram. He posted something today that said he was back. Honestly. Oh, it was nasty. Yeah. Um. um but uh. But yeah, man. I this. I'm not worried about the offense. I'm not worried about the defense right now. Um. I think the the Browns defensive line might cause some trouble. But we said that last week against the Browns or against the uh, the Cowboys. Uh, with that stout defensive line and the offensive line held through. So, uh, I, if they can even play it like eighty percent of that. I think they're going to be fine against the Browns. Um, Brock's making decisions uh, as good as he can be. It's going to be a tough environment to play in. Don't get me wrong, but uh, uh, we've we've got the studs on offense and on uh, on the defensive side of the ball too. Man, I, it's not much I can argue. Like, here's the difference. I'll say this: like the Niners are clearly the better team, especially Deshaun hasn't practiced again all week. Like, I don't think he's going to play. So. The only hope is literally Miles Garrett, who's their best player, moving around on the line because against Trent Williams, like that's a good matchup for every like that, so, that could I'm, be I so fun watch to that. see. Yeah. I just right? want to watch those two go head to head on one on one the entire I don't give a shit about the rest of the outcome of the game. I just <laughs> want to watch two weeks in a row. Miles Garrett and Trent, but like for as two weeks in a row. For as good he, as, he as Micah, Micah and Miles. <laughs> for as for as good as Micah Parsons is, and I'm not saying that Micah Parsons, he's incredible. But Micah Parsons' brilliance comes from his versatility, which the Cowboys, in my opinion, and Scotty and I talked about this, was misused. Yeah. Miles Garrett is a purebred pass rusher. The size what difference, he does. Too. He is so much He's, bigger. Yeah. He has like 60 pounds on Micah Parsons and is still just as explosive. Like, I to me, if there's a single human being in the NFL that can that can truly in one-on-one pass rush affect Trent Williams. It's Miles Garrett, and that's what I want to watch. I want to watch those two just battering Rams going into each other over and over again because I'm a sicko and I have problems. Sorry, Vito, go ahead. No, same. Church. I can't wait. Uh, But to that exact point, like, honestly, man, I think this is the Niners game to lose. I think the defense smothers this offense. I think we see another score like what the Browns had against the Ravens where it's like a 28 to 3. Maybe it's like a 35 to 10. Ayuk's uh, going to run wild. I, I think it's going to be a pretty big blot. And in, in fact, I'm actually taking the Niners as one of my locks this week, minus seven, because I think it's going to be an easy one, especially with Deshaun not playing. Like, I think this is, they don't have a chance. So, unfortunately, Vito, I'm doing the exact same thing as you, and I am taking the Niners as one of my locks. copying you now, baby. <laughs> you got the other one in first. So, <laughs> that's fair. Um, yeah, I didn't want to do it. I really didn't because I'm so excited about seeing what I think is arguably the best defense in the NFL play this Niners team, because I think it's going to set like a precedent and precedent might be the wrong word, but at least it's going to set the tone. Yeah. Brock is still basically a rookie. He hasn't had his big fuck up game. Like this defense could cause him to do it. And, and I walked in today, I walked into today in the lines yesterday, Yesterday, I've spent the last 48, 48 hours doing my prep and doing all that stuff and like looking at this. And I just said, this is the game. 
this is the game where we see Brock Purdy struggle a little bit. And we'll learn something about Brock Purdy, whether or not he is the guy or isn't the guy. We're going to learn about it in this game. They're going to deal with some weather. They're going to deal with a little bit of colder weather than, I mean, he's from, he played at Iowa state. So he's, you know, plenty used to, to, to cold weather, but this is going to be it, right? This is going to go. And then I remember that even if it was Deshaun Watson on the other side, without Nick Chubb, because we just we haven't seen we've seen one game in the last three weeks since Nick Chubb had that that injury on on was that Monday Night Football Thursday? What game was that? Was it Monday Night Football? No, it was the, Thursday I, night, I think. Thursday night, whatever it was, whatever that prime time game was that we saw Nick Chubb have that injury. Yeah, it's been three weeks. So no matter what you feel about it, time has passed. We've all kind of forgotten about it. So we look at this and we think, oh, well, the Browns defense has been amazing. So, of course, the Browns are going to end up covering, you know, you know, at least being dangerous. DTR was horrendous two weeks ago, and I loved him in college. I loved him at UCLA. Whatever we saw in the preseason with DTR might have been the, the preseason syndrome, might have been what I call the Danny Cannell disease, where it mm-hmm. makes you look like you're going to be this really, really great, talented quarterback and in reality, you were probably playing against very, very simple defenses. So, unfortunately, after really thinking it through, like the Niners' defense is so much better, so much better than the Cleveland offense, even if the Cleveland defense and the Niners' offense is going to be a really, really fun matchup. I think the Niners are just that good. And to me, like this is one of those where I'm like, I don't think the Niners should be less than a double digit point favorite until they play like the Eagles or they play mm-hmm. Kansas City or Buffalo or Miami. Like there's a handful of teams. Cincinnati too. Yeah. Yeah. Where I look at the Niners and I'm like, am I gonna take them as a as a anything? Like if I you have to take them as a single point favorite. You just have to. So unfortunately Score 30 points or more in every game. Yeah, we're gonna have to do that. Uh, all right, here we got a few more games we're going to rip through here quickly. Yes. Saints minus one and a half at the Texans. This is an absolute toss up of a game, and Vegas is telling you just as much. The Saints offense, I still don't think is impressive. I really don't. I think the Texans have been one of the most impressive teams in the league. However, they are young, and young teams coming off of a really tough loss, that's a tough thing to try to pick. I still think. For as good as uh, this Saints defense has looked, I think C.J. Stroud has played above that. Like, C.J. Stroud is getting the ball in the correct spot. It's not just that he's making throws. He's making the correct decisions repeat after repeat. I watched a full, like, 20-minute breakdown of, like, almost every throw C.J. Stroud has made this year, earlier this season, and I am just – or earlier this week, and I'm just flabbergasted. I like the Texans as a one and a half point underdog at home. I'm taking the home dog. Give me the Texans to win this game straight up. I'm with you. I'm in the, Texans, yeah. are oh, uh, <laughs> Texans are twelve and twelve. Texans are twelve and twelve as uh, as home dogs since 2019. Uh, Friday the 13th coming up. Things are going to get weird, and they get their 13th win against the spread uh, this week against the Saints. I just think that the that they have enough on on both sides of the ball. That defense improves week in and week out. And they're going to be able to neutralize some of what has made the Saints effective is 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 that Alvin Kamara coming back really, uh, and so I think they they stuff some of that. Uh, even the, as good as the Saints defense is, I think they uh, 
the the CJ Stroud, like you said, Jeff, is is above that. And I think he plays again to that caliber at home. Yeah, uh, I'm just saying no shit because I think we yeah, we're if we pick all the same teams, that's always scary. <laughs> um listen, Blake Cashman, I don't know if you guys have caught on to this dude that um uh, for uh he's a Texans linebacker. He's played out of his mind this year, had a really big step up. He's been good, but incredible. Demario Davis, like there's a couple stud linebackers in this game. Really fun to see. Could be fun to see uh Davis versus Stroud. Is this like an up and coming linebacker quarterback battle we're gonna see? Uh you know, I, I don't know, but I will tell you this. Um, Stroud, I think, gets the better of this whole defense, and I'm going with you guys as well. I think it's tough going up against some veteran linebacker safety defensive end. Like, that's going to be tough for him. This to be a test. But I think one and a half, I think they win this game, and I think it's by a field goal or so. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going as well with uh, with our boys there in the Texans. Yeah, CJ Stroud's been so freaking good, man. Uh, all right, we got Patriots Raiders. No one should watch this game. If you're a fan of the Raiders or the Patriots, do something better with your Sunday afternoon. Is this um, a four o five? It is. Of course, they is, make yeah. this in the four o'clock. These because the Cowboys assholes. are Monday night. That's why. No, but still, like uh, this game should be at one. This game should be on right. at the we same saw, time as London, and it should be have, on in London. But there are the other three games that we have at the four o'clock window is are, are going to be entertaining. I think at the very least. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. I don't want to pick anybody, but I think New England is so bad. I think that offense is putrid. I think they're. I think they have the worst weapons in the league. I think their offensive line is a bottom third offensive line in the league. Uh, which at least you can look at at Vegas and be like, yeah, I know they just beat the green, you know, the Packers on Monday Night Football, but like this team's just like they have a good defensive line and that's about it to me. Like the trenches goes to the Raiders here. I, it feels weird picking the Raiders against and Josh McDaniels against Bill Belichick, but I'm going to do it. So I'm taking the Raiders minus three. I'm taking the Raiders minus three because I think this is a Josh McDaniels revenge game, right? He's going, he's going to play the Patriots. He won when he did this with the Broncos against them um, at home. I think it's enough to your point. I think they're talented enough. And I just don't think the Patriots team is they're, They've got a lot to figure out. I'm going Raiders. Three in a row. We're with, with the, with the clean sweep here. I'm with the Raiders too. I just like the, the Patriots are God awful. I think you should tank now. Uh, go get, get yourself in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. Uh, the Patriots are six and 10 against the spread as road dogs. I'm taking the Raiders. All right. Uh, we have the Cardinals at the Rams start of uh, another four o'clock game here, East coast time. Um, a part of me really wanted to take Arizona in this game just because Arizona has been frisky until I remembered that it's Jonathan Gannon against a good quarterback. And, uh, Cooper cup was targeted like eight times on the opening drive against the Eagles. And then the Eagles did a really good job defending him the rest of the way out. The Eagles are also far more talented than what this, uh, Cardinals team is. They got guys dropping left and left, left and right, um, left and left. To me, like I think this is a, a, a and it's a divisional game, and I think it's going to be one of those rare divisional blowouts. I think the Rams cover the seven pretty comfortably. I'm taking the Rams minus seven. I'm with you. No James Conner for the for the Cardinals either. So that 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 has been the force driving Josh Dobbs production on the offense. Marquise Brown looked good last week. Not great. He got open because they were able to open stuff up in the run game, and that's not going to be there. So uh, Rams' defense is is terrible, but I think their offense is going to make more than make up for that 
uh, against this uh, this frisky but uh, not not super challenging Cardinals defense. Yeah, the problem with the Cardinals defense is they just can't keep up with these this offense. Like that's going to be the difference. Um, but I mean, I I do like what the Cardinals are doing on offense. Like I, I like Dobbs, man. I just really do. Um, he's playing great. Right? He's played great. He's, yeah, he's getting himself job security. That's for sure. Yeah. Because after this year, it, he won't be the starter after this year, but he will absolutely be a quality backup for a, for for another. Like this is a guy who was almost out of the league. Yeah, and like then the he, McCoy, he came in. Yeah. He came in and played for the the Titans last year, right? In a in a game that they could have eventually won and could have been a wild card team if they'd won that. And he game. came in last minute. Yeah, and they they lost, but he also had like a day and a half to play with. Tennessee right. before that game, and they still yeah. almost won that game. Well, so, I saw yeah. him a few times out here in, in Cleveland, and I, like I know I tell you guys, I love he looked great. I'm I'm actually going to go with the Cardinals covering. I think they just do enough at the end. Um, I, I that might be a heartfelt pick over a good pick, but that's what we're going with. All right, uh, Eagles minus seven against the Jets. I think what we saw out of the Eagles last week. And what this offensive line has been doing all season is just going to continue to like the Eagles are in this spot now where they've kind of realized that they can do whatever they want offensively. If they need to run the ball against teams, cause that's all that's there. They're going to do that. Cause their their offensive line is better than as good as the jets are defensively. The Eagles offensive line is better on the front. There's not a single lineup with the exception of probably the chiefs where the line of scrimmage isn't going to go to the Eagles. And even so, the Eagles are going to be better on offensive line than any team they play in their respective offensive line. If the Eagles go up against the Niners' defensive line, that's going to be a challenge. We're excited for that game. But for now, they're playing the the, the Jets. The Jets have not had to play an O-line like the Eagles' offensive line. The Eagles have been able to win throwing the ball with Jalen Hurts, running the ball, throwing the ball. Apparently, it was only the uh, like the sixth time uh, in the last 10 years that a quarterback has thrown for 300 yards and also run for 70 last week. Uh, and that's what you want to see if you're an Eagles fan. You want to see the birds out there with a mobile Jalen Hurts, but also being able to take those explosive plays like he was. Dallas Goddard had 100 yards. AJ Brown had 100 yards. We had a quiet game from Devontae Smith last week, which means Devontae is going to have a big day because we know Sauce, Sauce Gardner is going to be all over AJ Brown. That gives us a whole lot of AJ Brown against the number two cornerback, which is going to be a, a plus one for the Eagles. Uh, the other thing, too, is I don't see Zach Wilson go with that offensive line. Elijah Tucker done for the season. The interior offensive line for the Jets is in trouble, and they're going up against arguably the best interior defensive line all yep. the NFL. The Eagles are going to be able to stop the run. They're the best run-stuffing team in the NFL, and they've also been one of the best pass-rushing team. The Eagles' defensive line is going to – absolutely manhandle the jets eagles minus seven feels like a low line i'm not worried about zach wilson the eagles are going to find a way to cover this i think it's going to be a 10 to 14 point win for the eagles it's going to be closer than we like but they're going to cover the spread because that's what they did last week eagles minus seven lock it in not one jalen of my Carter, locks but oh yeah jalen Carter's is going to feast man jalen Carter so is absolutely going to feast he's and so there's going to be there's going to be several big plays uh, and and even if it is close, and I don't think it will be, there's going to be a big play that decides this game, whether it's to Devontae or AJ Brown, uh, or uh, a big run from uh, from Jalen Hurts. Um, they just got too many weapons on, on both sides of the ball. A depleted offensive line. You're right, Jeff. I think losing Elijah Vera Tucker is huge 
uh, especially for a guy like Brees Hall, who's starting to rip off some some really good runs. Tough day to run into a, uh, one of the best defensives in the NFL against the run. So uh, I think they, they get stymied a little bit here, and the Eagles cover seven pretty easily. Counted as a lock for me. Oh, Scotty with lock number two. Oh, I talked myself into it, really. In my I, th- I think it makes sense. Like, I, to me, it's like <laughs> I know the Jets' defense is really good, but that all it, it's similar to me. It's like when you have a really, really bad offense, even though we have a great matchup between the Eagles' offense, similar to the Niners' game, great offense and the Niners going up against a great defense in the in Cleveland. The other side, we're going to have the, the defense of the Niners going up against that Cleveland offense is completely one-sided. So I look at this game, I'm like, all right, yeah, Eagles offense versus the the Jets defense is a fun matchup. On the other side of the ball, Zach Wilson's not going to be able to put up points unless they score a defensive touchdown, which is always possible. But to me, that just that solidifies it when it's that lopsided on one side of the ball. So, uh, Vito, what about you? Go Birds. Uh, Go Birds. Pretty simple. I mean, like, dude, they're, the Jets aren't going to be able to move the birds, ball as birds. well. And especially like they're going to get some, they're going to make some turnovers. The Eagles defense will create some and on offense, there's no way that jets defense, they're going to contain them. Like that's a good defense. So it's going to be a good matchup. If they start slow again, if the Eagles start slow, don't freak out. Like no one should be worried. That's a good defense. It's a good line. But to your point, they haven't played the Eagles offensive line and late in the game, shout out Grant Calcaterra. They're running that three tight end set package doing double trap blocks running up the middle. They have been had two giant long drives in the fourth quarter eight up like eight and nine minutes respectively. They're going to do that again and cover the seven late in the fourth. It'll be a good game though. They had a seven Rick and a was half front and center. He was front and center on my screen on one of those uh, brotherly shoves where he yeah. was the third yeah. time. I mean, and, oh, the Eagles- and it was a slow-mo on red zone. I was like, Hey, I know that guy. I know him. <laughs> the Eagles had a seven and a half minute drive and an eight minute drive and a nine minute drive against the Rams. And that's not a slouch of a defense, but we're obviously talking about much better defense here. But still, to have three drives of seven and a half minutes, eight minutes, and almost nine minutes in the same game is absurd. And as long as the Eagles keep doing that, they're going to win football games. Uh, all right, up next, my third and final lock of the week. We have the Detroit Lions at the the Tampa Bay Bucks. The Lions minus three and a half. I'm locking it in as my third lock of the week. I'm a full-blown believer of this team. I think this team's going to win 12, maybe even 13 games. I think there's a legitimate chance that they find a way to sneak Whoa. into the conversation for that two seed. They can they can do it in every way, and it all starts up front for them on both sides of the ball, right? This team reminds me so much of the Eagles team from last year, right? The Eagles in 2021 barely snuck into the playoffs, and they got their doors blown off by uh, Tampa Bay. This Detroit team was terrible and then went on an unbelievable run, and all they've done now, a year removed, is continue that run. That is one of the most underrated things. Like People talk about that left and right about, like, oh, my God, yeah, they had that great run last year. They're just continuing it this year. You don't just continue it. It's a whole new team, and they found a way to encapsulate the stuff that they did last year and, and create the culture. This is creating culture. The Lions – are a damn good football team, minus three and a half. I know the Bucks' defense has been decent, but like this to me is going to play out very similar to the game that the Bucks played against the Eagles. Uh, three and a half is way too low. Give me the Lions three and a half on the road. Remember that Eagles game was also on the road. Uh, I like the Detroit Lions minus three and a half on the road. Oh, yeah, oh by Bucks the way, that's my last lock. 
Last yeah. lock. Bucks on the bye can get frisky. I think Baker's been playing really well, and that defense is going to be rested and well uh, ready to, to come play. But I think you're right, uh, even without Amon Ross St. Brown, <clears throat> who is uh, questionable for this game. Uh, there's there's enough there for the uh, for the Detroit Lions to feast. Three and a half on the road. That is dis fucking respectful to the Detroit Lions. Dan Campbell is going to have the boys ready to go, and they will be absolutely freaking humming. They are going to slaughter the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road. Give me the the Lions as well. Not my lock, but I'll, I'm taking the Lions. All right. Well, here's my deal. Like, yes, to your point. We're going to see what happens here with this Lions team. They played extremely well on offense. Like everyone who thinks, you know, Dan Campbell's tough and all that. And yeah, they, they have a great team and everything. But this offense is what makes this off, like this whole team go. Defensively, they're really good as well. But um, it starts on, on the offensive side of the football. I don't know how the flip side is going to go. It's basically, can Hutchinson disrupt Mayfield enough to have him have to throw the ball away, maybe get a turnover instead of getting the ball into Godwin and Evans' hands quick? I think it could happen. Um, man, I'm, I'm really back and forth on this one with three and a half. I'll go, I'll, I'm going to, mm, I'm going to go with the Lions, but it's, it's a toss up. For me. I do. Th- I do think this is going to be a fun game. I think this yeah. is another one that's going to be right in that exciting kind of fun wheelhouse. But, uh, yeah, I just think, I think ultimately like these are the games that like, if the Lions are as good as we think they are, that they're going to cover this game. And they're going to find a way to win it by at least a touchdown. I think they do. Uh, all right, two more games left. We got the Giants at the Bills. The Bills, 14-point favorites. Can the lowly Giants find a way to cover the 14 points? Vita, we'll start with you. No, very simple. That's about it. Uh, there's <laughs> not much on this. I'm taking the Bills to cover. I don't care if it was 17. I would take it. And that's why it's one of my locks of the week. Give me the Ooh. Bills with two touchdown favorites. They, Stephon Diggs is fired up. He's ready to go. Uh, he broke a surface pad on the sideline last week. Everybody's talking about how he's not uh, wanting to be a Bill anymore. Guess what? He's just adding fuel to the fire. Uh, all the media is adding fuel to the fire. And Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs are going to rip about three hundo and four tutties off together uh, this week against uh, against the Giants' frappy defense. So give me the Bills. And you can lock that. Uh, I like it. I like it that Scotty's going all in there. Um, I'm taking the Giants. Um, this is one of those where like bad teams are bad, but also I think Dayball's a good coach, and 14's a lot of points. And this is one of those where you look at like, damn, 14, two full touchdowns. Like I said, like I looked last week and thought that the you know based off where we are, it was a live bet nonetheless. But like still, I looked at it, and I was like. There's no way Detroit is not covering this game by at least three touchdowns. And then what do the Panthers do? They found a way to cover it. Uh, I I think this is an ugly cover game. There's no way that the Giants are going to just play. If the the Giants play just as awful as they have through five weeks in this game, then they are on pace to be one of the worst teams in the history of the NFL. And I look at the Giants and I'm like, they're bad, but are they one of the worst teams in the NFL bad? I'm not 100% sure. So I'm going to take the Giants plus 14. It's a lot of points. Plus, Buffalo has a lot of injuries. They just lost not only Tredavious White, but Matt Milano and Daquan Dawkins, who we're talking about like 
arguably three out of their top, what, five best defensive players and most important defensive players. So uh, I'm going to go with the Giants. And there's an outside chance, though unlikely, that we're going to see uh, Saquon in this game too. And if we have see, if we do see Saquon, uh, I do think that that could be a benefit for the Giants. All right, we have one more game here before we wrap up the podcast. Uh, we're going to go Cowboys minus two at the Chargers, though this does feel like it's going to be more of a home game for the Cowboys. Uh, I'll say it now, this has to be Cowboys minus two. Um, to me, like, I know the Cowboys haven't looked great, but when you get your ass kicked by, like, one of the contending teams and you don't bounce back, that says everything about you as a, as a team. It says everything about you as a team. And so I think the Cowboys are better as much as I hate them. I think the Cowboys are better than what we saw on Sunday night. And I know that the, the, the Saints absolutely or the Niners absolutely own them. I have a hard time seeing that two weeks in a row, especially against a team like the Chargers, who just have an affinity for blowing weird games like this. I know we have the uh, the, the the revenge game from Kellen Moore. Um but I'm still going to take the Cowboys minus two. I think they're better than the team we saw on Sunday night football. Well, I think you're wrong. I think the chargers are going to come out here. And I think Cleo Mack, even against that stout offensive line. Now, listen, uh, there hasn't been perfect out there for the chargers by any means, but I think to your point, the Cowboys should rebound do well, but I think the chargers can pull this off and uh, it's a good defense. The Cowboys have, they'll have to do a lot, but to your point, Kellamore revenge game. That's what I had written down. I'm going chargers. I went back and forth. This is going to be a feast, I think, for for somebody. Uh, but the Chargers are three and zero on Monday Night Football under Brandon Staley. They've had ten primetime games over the last two years. Eight have been decided by one score or less. And you're giving the Cowboys two. Give me the Chargers. All right, we have the Chargers plus two from Scotty and Vito. All right, that's all we got. We got some. Uh, Fun college games this weekend. Enjoy that. We'll talk about that on Tuesday's pod. But for now, that's all we got for you guys. So for Scotty and Vito, I am Jeff. I got to go off and play some softball and hopefully not tear an ACL. We love you guys. Hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Good luck to your teams. Good luck in your bets. Have some food. Have some beer. Have a hell of a weekend. And we'll talk to you guys on Tuesday. And as always, take it easy, everybody.